Welcome once again to the So Weird podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kat. We're missing Emily, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly, Emily couldn't make it this week. Hopefully next time. And today's topic is So Weird, Season 2, Episode 4, Nightmare. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, it opens up talking about like about the meaning of dreams and how in some cultures dreams are seen as like premonitions of the future. I really like the opening visual. I think cuz it has space and it has and it's about dreams and those are like my two favorite things, I guess. Well, it has And that. I think that's baby fee twirling around in the sky <laughs> flipping yeah, dreaming. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. I wondered if that was stock footage or something they shot for the episode. It, well, it's the same child that you see um, Rick and Molly with. Oh, okay. So obviously it's something they shot for the show then. Mm-hmm. It'd be really interesting to find out how they chose the stock footage for all of the opening scenes with Fiona's monologues. Yeah, I wonder about that too because sometimes the footage is just so specific. And obviously a lot of stuff they've shot for the show, but sometimes it's clearly something they dug up somewhere. I don't know. It's something I've always thought about. Yeah, like, did they go searching for specific clips? Like, oh, let's find Native American tribes doing a dance, talking about dreams. Or, like, did they just happen to find that? And they're like, oh, this would look good. All right, so on this episode of So Weird, they are all on the tour bus going to some destination, and they stop off to visit Irene's relatives. Her sister, who has the same haircut as Irene, it's uncanny how close they look alike, (laughs) even though she's a brunette. And her husband, who she's kind of tense with, and their adorable son, Danny. First, on the tour bus, before they get off, we open up with this weird scene where Jack's in this forest, and he's looking at this grave in a cemetery. And he's trying to make out the name on the grave through all the fog. But before he can, he wakes up, and Fiona's waking, waking them up to tell him that they're almost there. So it's kind of eerie, sets the scene, makes you wonder, ooh, who died? <laughs> Even though we all kind of know who's yeah, dead. Yeah, and, <laughs> and after arriving at the house, uh, they soon discover that the boy, Danny, is having these recurring nightmares. And then that night, J- Jack and Fiona and Clue all wake up in the boy's nightmare, and they have this convergent dreaming experience. Yes, and funnily enough, Fee is not the person who discovers that it's a convergent dream. They get this information from Molly in a very funny scene. Yeah, that's an interesting touch that uh, Molly is showing some interest in something extrasensory. Yeah, she reads Cosmo, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that scene was odd, but I was, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I thought it was like a nice little piece of humor where Molly's just Mm -hmm. I read about in Cosmo, and then she just pauses. Everybody's looking at her. Just when you and he share that same dream. (laughs) Yeah, you and he share that special dream. Yeah, there are a couple of good Molly moments in this episode. Yeah, good Irene moments too. I love the opening scene where Irene is complaining to Molly about how her and her sister don't get along, and about how her sister has the nicest everything, the nice. China, the nicest plants. And Molly goes, well, I'll buy you a really nice cup of coffee. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't have that. 
Yeah, it seems like Irene is just uh, unhappy throughout the whole episode. It's like very unhappy. I I kind of find it a little annoying. <laughs> well, she definitely has some sibling rivalry with her sister there. Oh, yes. And I kind of like how we get this little insight into Irene's childhood and how she had this stuffed animal yeah, the bunny. that her sister like <laughs> tore apart or got washed. dirty or something. Yeah, washed. Because he was dirty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's funny because it's very rare that we get any sort of insight into Irene's personality or life. She's very much mm -hmm. a supporting character. So it is nice yeah, that this she... episode gives us a little bit of a little bit of background on her. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, um, I was gonna say she's the only character that doesn't get a a backstory episode. Yeah. Yeah, so it is nice that we get a little bit of insight into her background. So she gets like a backstory subplot almost. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Poor Irene. <laughs> and you know, I gotta tell you, Kat, you've kind of um changed the way I watch the show sometimes because <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> because you know, you always bring up um well you've been known to bring up in the past this this whole fan theory that there's some secret relationship going on between Molly and Carrie. <laughs> and I, I knew you were going to talk about that. <laughs> and How can you watch this episode and not talk about that? Well, yeah, and then and I'm watching this episode just a, like a half an hour ago, and I'm thinking like, oh, man, this must be just meat for the Molly-Carrie <laughs> shippers because they have so much interaction in this episode. They do. Especially how Molly's the one who finds out the secret Carrie feels comfortable enough with Molly to trust her with the information that he has dropped out of college. And I think it's so cute the way Molly reacts by saying, like, couldn't you have picked a better major or apply yourself to have a better job, like Czar of Russia, instead <laughs> of being a musician? Yeah, I mean, obviously, because she would know, but... uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, and even before then, when he just says, when he just asks her to get a cup of coffee when they're on the bus, even then I was thinking like, oh, well, I bet somebody seized on that. So you've totally changed the way I watch the show. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. Yeah, when I watch it now, I can't help but see it. <laughs> yeah, because like it is there, and Carrie comes off as older than like your average 19 year old college kid. Well, it's not so much that I think it's there. It's just now I notice the things that the people who are, are you know, believe in this ship are noticing too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we do get a little bit, you know, even though this is kind of a standalone episode, there are tiny little things it builds on with, you know, this element of Carrie dropping out of school, obviously foreshadowing him becoming a main cast member on the bus. And, um, and we get a little bit more of the whole Rick myth arc for this season in this episode. Ooh, and this part tugs at the heartstrings. There's so many good Rick moments in this episode. Mm -hmm. So when Jack's having his dreams, um, well, for both Jack and Danny, they see this black mass, which is this monster that's chasing them. Yeah. What do we think of the special effects for that? For, <laughs> well, you know, back then, when I... Because I remember this episode specifically watching it as a little kid. And this episode scared me. Because, I don't know, that black mass actually scared me when I was young. <laughs> but now it's like, oh man, these effects. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, considering the budget they probably had to work with, they're not bad. 
I, it, you know, it looks like something out of a lava lamp, but... Um... <laughs> I feel like the show was self-aware of that with Clue's comments about, like, oh, buzz off, you bogus apparition. Yeah, yeah, we have Clue, plenty of surfer lingo in this one. <laughs> I love Clue surfer lingo. It's great. Yeah, and I really like those sets they use in the Nightmare sequences, especially a really, you know, there are a couple of little small dreamlike touches that are in there that I really like. Like when uh, Jack first wakes up in the dream, there are like these shadows of dinosaur toys up on the wall, and they look mm -hmm. very big and ominous. Or mm -hmm. a later sequence, the color of Fiona's pajamas change from like a baby blue to a pink. And I don't know if that's just a continuity error, but I would like to think since this is the dream episode that that was done on intentionally to add to the dreamlike atmosphere. I think that was because of the lighting because yeah, that's what in I the thought. dream they're in the house, but it's all warped and demented and the colors are all funky. Like it's a fun house. Mm -hmm. I think it was the colors, the lightings. Well, either way, that's something I noticed just rewatching it now. And, you know, and this is another Paul Lynch episode. And I've commented before how his episodes tend to be a little spookier than the other ones. So, mm -hmm. uh, the funeral um, dream parts are they're pretty uh, scary, I guess, with the music and just the way that it's played out. And at, in the beginning, you, you don't see who the funeral goers are. And then the. The next time that Jack dreams about it, we see Molly all in black, and Jack's calling out to her, but she's just not responding. Very creepy. Yeah, I remember watching that as a child and feeling miffed out about that. Like, whoa, someone died. Like, this is a real scary thing, not like a fantasy scary thing. Yeah, and this episode does touch on the, the fears that Jack has in a way that I think is pretty effective. Oh, yeah. That scene where Jack finds himself in Fiona's room, watching his parents tuck in little Fiona, seeing Molly begging Rick not to go in Rick's last words. That ominous foreshadowing shot of Rick holding the car keys as he's about to leave, and then Jack trying to call him out to him, trying to warn him, Dad, Dad, stop, don't go. Yeah, and I mean... The and car crash noise. Yeah. And that's a real, that's sort of the first of many references in the season to uh, Rick's passing and how he would pass. And then, of course, the best scene in this episode, I think, is when Jack tries to chase after Rick to stop him. Only he finds himself back in that room with the motorcycle and the TV and the bed. And it's all white walls. Yeah, and, and that leads wall. to the the big weepy moment in the episode where uh, <laughs> where Jack and Fiona have their cry together, which is, you know, there are some things about this episode which I like a lot. This one ranks pretty highly for me overall. Um, but some parts of it don't work as well as others, but that emotional core there, that scene with Fiona and Jack, is uh, it, it gets to you. Tugs at your yeah. heartstrings. Yeah, that one makes me tear up that scene um because at first you on one part you feel bad for jack and then fiona comes and she's wanting to reach out and then she explains how she doesn't she didn't even know him she can't even dream about him and then she starts crying and, and then oh. jack's crying and then the audience is crying <laughs> yeah well, i feel especially bad for jack too in that moment 
because before Fee comes in, he's on the floor, on his knees, crying. And then Fee comes in crying about how she wants to see her daddy, but she can't. It's too late. And, like, Jack composes himself. Like, you can tell that as a care, that Jack is trying to keep it in for himself because he needs to feel be strong for Fee. Right, he's got to be the big brother. Her down. Yeah. He just feels so much for the both of them. And that's when he realizes that this monster or this fear is losing Molly and Fee just like he lost his dad, Rick. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fear of death, really. And that's uh, mm -hmm. pretty powerful stuff for a Disney Channel show. Yeah. And it's probably so relevant for a lot of people as oh, well. Yeah. Um, definitely. After my father died, I kept having dreams about him. And, like, this episode and that moment where Fee says, like, oh, I can't even dream about him. Like, I know just mm -hmm. how important that is because dreams are the only thing that you have left. Mm -hmm. So, how about that uh, candy closet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another cool set. <laughs> it's getting a little too maudlin in here. Let's shift gears. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going to say also back, um, when you were talking about the sets, I, I really like the, the quirky colors mm -hmm. and, uh, it kind of looks like a fun house. Yeah, it's well and then done. The, ca the candy room <laughs> in which Clue is very excited about. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like we get some real psychological insight into Fiona and Jack's character in this episode and then the boy, Danny, and then Clue just dreams about food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you know, why is Clue really there? <laughs> Comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. And just one so, more thing about the uh, the sets in the dream house is there's a moment where they're walking down this hallway and there's a window ahead of them, but it's in this weird geometrical shape. And this probably tells you a lot about my brain because when I first saw that, my thought was like, oh, that's a Tetris block. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it looks like. <laughs> But yeah, obviously, you know, fear is kind of the main theme of this episode. And, um, and uh, you know, I don't know if it's scary so much watching it as an adult, but it is definitely kind of spooky. There is mm -hmm. a, a slightly off atmosphere. And it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine when dreams are portrayed in film and television as making too much sense. You know, <laughs> I feel like most... Oh, like, oh, you're dreaming and it means something. Yeah, yeah, or it's just usually, you know, I mean, in most dreams, it's all just, uh, Random it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a dream, it doesn't make any sense, and I think, like, the only two television shows I can think of that really grasp a genuine dreamlike feeling is, um, the one episode of Buffy, where they're in the dream world, and, uh, Twin Peaks, and this episode doesn't really have that super surreal atmosphere, but I, I excuse it, because they're not, you know, in their own, they're not having their own dreams. They're in the boy's dream. He's like pulled them into mm -hmm. it. And I don't know if anybody else has seen a nightmare on Elm street three, but it reminded me of that the way everybody is inside of this one boy's dream. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I give it a little leeway there because um, otherwise it's not too heavy on the sort of surreal dreamlike element, but that's just a, a pet peeve of mine. Ah. Yeah. And we had mentioned before clue and he has some funny lines. Um, I like, when he says, like, well, what happens if you die in your dreams? Which is a little dark. And then the 
the go the black mass comes and he's like, Oh, I wasn't looking for a demonstration or anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very and that goofy. another question. Why was it Clue was in the dream but Carrie wasn't? Because he's older. No, I don't know. Because <laughs> he's dreaming about Molly. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Are they having a convergent dream? Is that how she knows about them? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing those dreams? Um and um, okay, two things here. Uh, first off, when Jack first sees the boy, whose name is Danny, uh, he falls backwards, and um, you can hear this stock like glass shattering sound effect. And you never the broken actually, pot. Yeah, you never actually see what it was that he knocked over, but you assume it was like a flower pot or something. Yeah. And I couldn't. I always thought that's it. funny. It's so like, um, what's the word? very like that laugh track that you always hear yeah it's very canned yeah yeah very much a stock sound effect i like that zoom in effect that they have on the boy when jack first lays eyes on him like that's a little over the top i think um and also nice little touch you know i believe the topic of uh sleep paralysis has come up on the show once or twice before and i'm um, obviously dealing with nightmares this is sort of tying to that. And I just want to point out there's like one split second scene where Jack is first beginning to have the nightmare where he actually like goes stiff on his bed. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that was an acting choice from Patrick Levis or in the script or anything, but that was a nice little moment. Mm -hmm. Agreed. No further thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like sweating so much and he's always yeah. wearing a long sleeve. <laughs> And I think like that was part I of the transition between real life and the dream world, like as a visual cue, maybe. Yeah, and, and that's something funny that you brought that up, Kathy. You know, uh, everybody is like wearing long pajamas except for Clue. You know, you think that was maybe some uh, teen, teen girl eye candy there or something? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> also, maybe to have like their wardrobe fit their character personality. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible as well. Like, Jack's uh, a nerd. Put him in a sweater, even when he's sleeping. <laughs> he's like a cute teenage girl. Give her cute teenage girl pajamas. Who's a slacker. Eye candy. Surfer dude. Give him a wife feeder and boxers. And um, and I guess we haven't talked about yet what the, uh, the reveal at the end there about what the black shape that's pursuing the boy actually is. Yeah, so throughout the episode, we see tension between his parents and so his real fear the physically it, it was seeing his parents fighting and then it was him worried about them leaving him possibly divorce yeah and i don't Which know is another real topic it's interesting yeah and you know I wonder if they were really trying to present that as a twist ending because if they did I, I don't know how successful that was because it is heavily foreshadowed throughout most of the episode. Like you can obviously tell that the parents are arguing a lot and that they're having some tension. Well, maybe, you know, little kids can't really pick up on those. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Like as a child, like you don't think about, Oh, what's going to happen next? How does this clue tie in? Like you don't foresee those kind of things. Yeah, I guess you don't pick up on that sort of thing. But um, 
You know, and it is interesting because it is, again, a heavier topic than you'd probably expect from a Disney Channel show. And that whole theme of abandonment does tie into what Jack is feeling throughout this episode with his fears of losing his mother or his sister the way he lost his father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then that fear of Danny's fear of his parents getting divorced, it provides inspiration for Molly. And it's canon that this episode is the inspiration for the song New Math. And I'm not sure how, how many people know this, but there were ver there were verses of New Math that were cut out from the episode Listen when Molly gives the performance of it because it directly alluded to divorce. And Disney Channel thought that was too dark and heavy. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. that is, that's Well, you know, when I've listened to that song, I've always kind of wondered if that was Molly talking about something in her own life because as far as, like, the stories it's presented in the show goes, you know, Rick was her first and only marriage. And that's obviously, I mean, New Map is a song that's explicitly, obviously about divorce. And I always wondered if Nate, but then, you know, her parents were still married. So, so, okay. All right. That yeah. makes sense. I've always about wondered about that. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I, I didn't know that. At the end of the episode, we see Irene looking more happy with her sister and her sister saying like, keep in touch this time. So there's some conflict resolution there as well. Yeah, and the little scene with um, Jack and Clue and Fiona and Danny at the end is cute too, where he yeah. the boy says something. He he says, I believe, dude, in response to Clue. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say also when they wake up with from that big dream that they have, they all seem so happy, and I think if it, that was me, I would be so exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> they're so happy though. <laughs> And going back to that, that idea of conflict resolution, something that we haven't talked about yet was how there was a lot of tension between Jack and Danny early in the, ep the episode. Or it wasn't just fear the first time Jack saw the boy. It was like he avoided him. He didn't want to be part of his dream. And that scene where the kids are all at the mall, Clue and Fiona are having fun playing with Danny and taking him into the different stores. And Jack's just sitting there on the bench. And Danny said, tells B that Jack doesn't like him. But then at the end of the episode, you see Jack kind of take on that big brother role with Danny too. And offer Danny to email him through Fee's email. Yeah, that's a good note. That's a um, good observation. And it's notable that when Jack is first in this dream, he's, as always, very much the skeptic. And he, he keeps saying something about how everybody else is a figment of his imagination and that this is all just a dream and none of it's real or anything. And then at the end, he hugs Fee as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a random hug and Fee and Molly yeah. goes like, what the heck? <laughs> and then it ends off with like a nice scene of... Him, Jack dreaming again, and he sees Rick picking up baby Fee. Rick smiles at him, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah that's a cute moment there. Bittersweet. I really love that scene. Yeah, bittersweet. That's the word that, I would use for it, yeah. Just the idea that Jack does get to see Rick again in a moment like that, even if it's not real. And he still gets to hold on to that feeling. It's so important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was talking about the acting of the kid playing the boy. Um, and what do you think of that scene where he confronts the shadow monster at the end? Um, I have no opinions. 
I never really liked that scene because I expected it to be something a lot scarier than just your parents fighting. And then they vanished so quickly. It was like all of this just for that. I was not a fan of the boys part of the nightmare. It is a bit of an underwhelming conclusion where he just says, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And then the scene ends basically. Yeah. Especially when, as a child, when I had nightmares, it was stuff like witches chasing me through the woods, throwing Cheetos at me. And say, I'm not afraid of you anymore, and it stops. It doesn't work like that. Well, you know, they gotta do that message of confronting your fears. No, they don't. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, when I was a kid, the weird reoccurring nightmare was uh, running up the stairs in the split foyer in my the house I lived in when I was a kid being chased by evil dolls. That was, that was my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but I'm running in slow motion, which is so. Oh, I've had nightmares where I'm outside at night running in slow motion up to my friend's house at the top of the hill and, like, I'm being chased either by, like, the police or somebody who wants to hurt me. And I need to hide in my best friend's house. The police want to hurt you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think that's something a lot of people experience in nightmares where, you know, you're running, but you're moving slowly. And whatever is advancing on you is moving at, at the normal speed. It's something very primal, I think. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I never had nightmares when I was younger which I guess is a good thing. But I started having nightmares like in high school and all of them are kind of the same. And it's the same. I'm being chased, but I'm not going slow, but the chase never ends. It's like I'm maneuvering through houses and streets. It's never ending. It's so scary. Yeah. And you can't just tell your chasing self, I'm not afraid of you anymore. It's bad advice, Disney. Yeah, that only works no. <laughs> in t- movies and TVs. You know, when you're having a nightmare in real life, you just usually when you get to the part of the nightmare that is just p- pants shittingly terrifying, then you just wake up. <laughs> yeah, your heart's beating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had moments like that where I just wake up covered in sweat and mm-hmm. like, you know, holy cow. <laughs> but it's a TV show, you know. <laughs> yeah. For kids. But overall, despite some reservations, I do enjoy this one a lot. And I, honestly, I actually feel like this is where season two really hits its groove from this point on. What are the points that you didn't like then? Besides the, I think, the dream part. Well, yeah, my issue with it is just the the acting on the kid is a little stiff. And the scene where everybody is being driven crazy by the buzzing sound of the motorcycle revving, I think, was a little silly. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was a kid, it was the mass that scared me and also that noise. <laughs> I don't know why, but them reacting like it's so loud and it just being random noise also just frightened me. Me too. But like I had this thing with noises as a kid, like on the 4th of July, I was terrified and I would not go outside because it was too loud. Mm. Well, to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> but um, I mean, aside from one or two elements that I think are a little hokey, this episode is pretty good. Yeah, this episode is in my top five, definitely. I really like it. I love, I always love dream um, aspects and episodes. Um, And then Rick coming, and then just all the sad moments, which I love. And everything tying in together. I mean, I guess the only little 
fault. I also didn't really enjoy the boys part of this episode. Same. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, anytime you have a show with a really tight knit cast like this and you bring in some new character to help motivate the plot, it is, I don't know, makes you wonder a little bit. But um, yeah, no, this is a this is a good one though. I would. This is probably one of my favorite season two episodes up there pretty highly for me. Same. I really love this episode. It's one of my favorites. It's got an interesting topic with the topic of dreams and confronting your nightmares. All of that cool, creepy scenery with Jack looking back on the funeral for his father and graveyard. All of the raw emotion with Jack and Fee and seeing Rick's final night before he passes away. And then the moments of common comic relief with Clue. Of course, you've got your Molly Carey shipping moments. You didn't even bring up that cute little scene with those two at the end where Carrie like, looks at Molly and in that smooth voice of his, he's like, you're not going to tell them, are you? And then she just, no. And then they laugh together and he smiles at her and they giggle. Yeah, it's it's really not that drawn out, but um. <laughs> Oh it is. <laughs> Watch the fan videos on YouTube, it is. Yeah, well they, they they'll slow it down and they'll put like a Sarah McLaughlin song over it or something. They did. It was Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> I'm serious, that was like the best video I've ever seen. I aspire to be like the person that. Um also, yeah, we've I now to come to up, the Molly Carey shipping corner of the show. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to bring up the uh, Clue. Um, just a little moment where Fee is crying and then Clue hugs her as well and, like, you know, says, like, oh, it's okay. Like, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I did Dude, as well. It really upsets me that we didn't get a better camera angle of it. Because that <laughs> happens and then they push it off to the side and the focus shifts to Jack and the little boy and. Face your fears. You can do it. Great. <laughs> and it's like, get out of the way. I want to see Clue and Fee hug. I want my Cluey Clue. <laughs> Cluey. Cluey. Clue. Okay. Jeez. Um. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So, do we have anything else we want to say about this episode? Um. No. I think I said everything I wanted to say. Yeah. I'd rate it a nine out of ten. Uh, well, looking at my uh, the review I wrote a few years back, uh, I gave this a 7 out of 10, which I think is about right. No. Oh, it's too and low. That's, and that's a C. A 7 this out of 10 is like a B+. Plus. No. <laughs> a 7 is a C. I'm a teacher. I know this these things. Yeah, well, I have a very concrete idea of what my ratings mean. A 7 is like no. a B, B+. Plus. No, it's not. <laughs> Fine, an it's eight an 8 then. Uh, no, an eight is eight is like a B plus A minus. No, eight is a B, <laughs> and eight point five is a B plus. Well, a nine is an A, and nine point five. You're bringing is an a points plus. into this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just saying. In my opinion, a seven is a B or a B plus, and that's about where I would rate this episode. No, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wrong. I'm just different from you, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> What's your rating, Cat? <laughs> I would give it like a nine or a nine point. Five, the only reason it would lose points is just because of Danny. Yeah, I didn't like sorry. his the storyline. Yeah, fuck that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Everything uh, else about this this episode was fantastic. 
It was just the storyline with Danny. And a stupid candy closet. I didn't like that giant lollipop. <laughs> what? You remember <laughs> when they discover the dream candy and he pulls out this giant lollipop in the center of the candy closet? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. I never liked lollipops as a kid. I was a chocolate guy. Still am. Me too. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, hey, I hear we have some feedback, Kathy. Yeah, I've got it all out already. <clears throat> okay, so we actually got a review on iTunes, which is pretty cool. That's from AJ222445. They said, I was delighted to see this podcast pop up on another social media site. What site was that? Because I'm interested. Um, I watched and loved this show in college and was thrilled to see that there are, were remainders of the fandom still around and engaged enough to start a podcast. The show itself is very obviously a labor of love. I enjoy the recaps and the discussions. This might be a bit of a spe specialized show, which podcast isn't, but it's a lot of fun to listen to if you are a fan of the series. Thanks. Aww. Thank you so much, AJ, for writing that review. That's very nice of you. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, there's a lot of us still around. Glad you found our podcast. Dozens. Yeah, and being a fan since college? Wow. Yeah, that's cool. So thank you. And from our forum, this is um, Darby. They said, thank you for the new <clears throat> Siren podcast. I really enjoyed listening. I love that So Weird is a creative canvas for many different opinions and perspectives. As far as Carrie's introduction, Siren does it well. I'm glad So Weird didn't spend a whole episode just introducing him, but instead creatively weaved a really interesting plot around him. I like how this episode shows how close Molly's family is with Irene and Ned's. I like Callie's character and the unique spin on the Siren and pop star this episode takes. However, I wish So Weird was an hour-long show, don't we all? Because it would have been fun to get more on Callie's backstory, where she came from, and how Evelyn trapped her. Even though a lot happens in Siren, it still feels like one of So Weird's slower episodes, like Angel, Topa, and Medium. And those tend to be my favorites. Then you have Molly singing Rebecca at the end, the history with Evelyn, Fee's compassion for Callie's gift from her father, the question song, and the light love story between Ka Carrie and Callie, and are all some of the reasons why it's one of my season two favorites. Nightmare, I don't really care for the storyline with Danny. He's a bit of an annoying brat, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's funny how Irene's sister is so pretentious while Irene is so real and down to earth. However, I love the darker moments we get to see. The night Rick died, V and Jack's continual grief, and Jack at the graveyard is just haunting. Jack's dream at the end always gives me goosebumps. Keep the faith that you're all doing an amazing job. Wow, well, that's thank, an amazing comment. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. And, you know, that's an interesting idea of whether the show would have been improved by it being an hour as opposed to half an hour yeah, is interesting. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes I've said before how the show sometimes feels like it has to rush through the story a little bit just because it has to get so much into 27 minutes or whatever. And um, at the same time, I kind of wonder if it being a full hour would be stretching some of the stories too thin. So can we compromise and just get like a 40-minute episode? <laughs> I was thinking maybe only some episodes can get an hour long. Like, yeah, I, I, like the, the, premieres, the premieres or the, the mid-seasons, season finales. Yeah, I don't know if Troll needed to be an hour. 
<laughs> oh my god, could you imagine? <laughs> Everybody would be vegetables at the end. <laughs> It'd all be a, like a cook show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, the feedback there. Darby, was that what they said their name was? Darby? Darby. I I'm not sure how to say it, but Darby. thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you yes. for continually listening to us and giving us feedback. Yeah, I love how I keep seeing some of the same names pop up in this so weird fandom, and I feel like I know that these people, and it makes my heart feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> and then That's someone else that we know that commented on our YouTube, um, E Street Band Fan One. I remember this name too. Um, this is from for the Siren episode. They said, "I listened to the podcast earlier, and I agree. This episode was definitely pretty meh." Even though it was an introduction for Carrie, the episode seemed like a filler. I also recently realized two things about the show itself. The first, after watching all 11 seasons and watching the 12th season as it airs of Supernatural, I realized that So Weird was Supernatural before Supernatural. <laughs> a lot of the same topics overlapped, such as chain Changelings, Sirens, Banshees, and both shows even included a Groundhog Day-like episode, which is So Weird's Exit 13 from Cough Season 3, Cough, and <laughs> Supernatural's Mystery Spot from Season 3, with time repeating itself over and over again. The other thing I realized, Disney is really hypocritical with the show in terms of showing it. They wanted Mackenzie to be Molly because she was a big name for the show. Now they won't show it because of Mackenzie, and I'm assuming her semi-recent reveals. Well, you know, I don't think um, Mackenzie Phillips' recent uh, things she's said and written about her life has anything to do with Disney's reluctance to acknowledge the show. I just think that's the Disney brass just ignoring something old. Yeah, and, and I know we've stated it before that I don't think it has to do with Mackenzie because she's a voice actress on a Disney XD show currently, or I think maybe she, she did it for a, a few episodes. And also when they had the uh, special on the 100 episode or no, not episode 100th decom, they brought back all the old Disney channel, original movies and put them on Disney replay. And that included Mackenzie Phillips in double teamed. Yeah, but it's just them not showing their older shows. Yes, yeah, I think it has more to do with the content of So Weird being so different from what the brand is currently promoting, which is on the comedy angle. Well, I think it has something to do with that. And with a lot of these things, you never really know why a network or a corporation ignores one show or property and lavishes so much attention on another. And frequently when something like that happens, it's because of some weird corporate decision. Oh, this show was the baby of some former executive and we have a new executive. Now he just doesn't talk about the old stuff. I don't know. You know, we, we've argued on the show over and over again about why Disney is so obstinate about refusing to acknowledge so weird, but, uh, and all that stuff about comparing the show to supernatural is probably great for people who watch supernatural and, <laughs> Yeah, and I know a lot of fans do. Um, I haven't watched Supernatural. Um, I believe Emily has. I have. You have? And then I stopped because it got so bad. <laughs> it's been on for like 14 seasons or something, right? Yeah, I don't even know how many anymore. I gave up for season 8. 
Yeah, but I, I always hear how the show is very similar or they have yeah. similar themes. And there's also a lot of fan fiction on fanfiction.net of crossovers between So Weird and Supernatural, mm -hmm. where Fee goes hunting with the Winchester brothers, or Fee and the Winchesters are like long lost cousins or something. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, it's just the long lost relative troop in fan fiction is it's bringing back <laughs> memories, man. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and then they also said on another episode, <clears throat> in an answer to your question of wondering where I work, that I can listen to these podcasts at work. I work at a dog daycare hotel facility and get to hang out with dogs all day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, as long as they're not like the mad scientists from Shelter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is from E Street Fan? Yeah. Okay, well, well yeah, thank you so much for your continued support of the show. I mean, we've we've heard from you a couple of times, and that's really neat that you uh, are listening and keep listening, you know, and keep commenting. That's nice. Yeah. yeah I love this community and this fandom is so active. It's great. Yeah, and they, they recently joined the forum also because they wrote on the chat saying that IMDB is closing the message boards, and so that motivated them to sign up. Yeah, was there an active So Weird community on the IMDB message boards? I don't think there's an active any community on the IMD message boards. Yeah, I know. When it was announced that the IMDB is shuttering their uh, message board programs, you know, on one hand, I was sad because it's one less place where people talk about movies and TV and stuff on the internet. But every interaction I've had on the IMDB message boards have been negative. So, <laughs> so I can't feel too sad about it. Every time I go to check out something on the IMDB, pages I go and look at the message boards to see what people are saying and then none of them them have been updated since like 2007 well there's that as well but in my experience like when you look up a particular actor most of the comments on um, the IMDB message board is like oh you know they suck or they're lame or they're overweighted or they're hot or they're gay or whatever you know it's it's like that level of discourse kids yeah <laughs> um, I think there is like at least two threads that was kind of active on the So Weird one. <clears throat> Mainly like, oh, where can I watch these episodes? All but over, yeah. it turns out. <laughs> um, okay, so there's one more comment by Andrea on our Facebook page. Um, yes. This, this one's kind of long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I can read it without too many mistakes. So they, uh, she said, um, for Siren... This was a great episode review. I appreciate the new insight again. Every time there is a difference of opinion shared on these episodes. And kudos for noticing such minor details about the show, like the recycling of extras. You are all such awesome fans. Thanks. Yes, thank you. I'm now curious what you will have all to say about the episode Nightmare, which is obviously where Molly's inspiration for the song New Math come, came from. Yeah. I know... I know a lot of things run through my head when I watch the episode. Uh, first, I find it understandable that as a concerned adult, Molly would not be happy to learn that Carrie dropped out of college. But at the same time, I don't think she is one to tell him that he should pursue a career more practical than that of a musician since she is involved in the music industry herself and she is successful. Second, I felt that she was very quick to offer the convergent dream explanation for everyone's common nightmare. It seems out of character that she would read a Cosmo article at all because I would imagine that kind of thing would remind her of Rick and his paranormal hunts and the fact that he was in the midst of a paranormal pursuit when he died. 
She must have read the article recently because she was quite perky when she explained the dream theory. As though the information from the article was fresh in her mind. Notice how she paused when she said the title of the article when you and he share that special dream. My guess is that she was thinking of Rick. On a more serious note, I cannot stand how Irene's sister and brother-in-law fail to put two and two together about their arguments and Danny's lack of sleep. It appalls me that so many adults in real life separate, divorce, and argue, and either don't recognize or completely ignore the impacts it has on their children, and meanwhile, they try to selfishly justify their actions. In my experience, my parents are not divorced or anything, but there have been a handful of times when... They have had really loud and nasty arguments on two separate occasions that I can recall. My mom threatened to leave. Thankfully, she didn't. But those memories still cut me deep emotionally and mentally. And the fear of a broken family is an ever-present and constant weight on my mind. My point is, even arguments alone can cause scarring. One more thing about the episode is that I love how Jack's protective nature comes really comes through. I enjoy the brother-sister moment between Jack and Fee when she's crying after realizing their father is not in the convergent dream. I love how Jack is also like a big brother and protector to Danny when he helps him face his fear. All right. A lot of good comments in there. Yeah, well, you know, Andrea has written us back several times, and I'm always very impressed with uh, her insights. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that she apparently picked up on this whole new math thing that I have somehow never noticed before. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all read something from John Cooksey saying that. I know I did. Yeah, me too. You know, apparently everybody but me, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, you know, thanks, Andrea, for the constant feedback and support, and really appreciate it as always. The, that's all the feedback, I believe, that we got. All right, well, keep it coming, fans and listeners. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. And also keep bugging Netflix about possibly seeing if they could get so weird on Netflix. Yeah, um, recently... On Twitter, I, like recently, there's been a lot where people are tagging Netflix and then are so weird, saying like, "Man, this really needs a reboot." Good. And then there's, I think there's a video from some, I don't know if it was a TV show or a website or something, that's saying like shows that need to get rebo- rebooted, and they actually included so weird. Oh well, that's nice. Yeah. So weird definitely needs to be rebooted. If anything, so we can finally get. A conclusion. Well, I mean, that's the dream, you know, yeah. that we could get some sort of resolution to Fiona's story. But at this point, just like a digital remaster versions of the episodes on Netflix or Hulu or God forbid DVD would be great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kat. And this has been the So Weird Podcast. Keep the faith. Never give up on So Weird. Never give up, (laughs) never surrender. (laughs) Bye.